Welcome to this latest edition of the Real Deal Podcast. I'm your host, Surreal Gerald Quinn. Recording this on a Thursday, the last day of August. Summer is basically over. Uh, probably officially over for just about everyone after the fourth, excuse me, after the Labor Day weekend, after um, come Monday, come Tuesday and Wednesday, when probably everybody will be back in school. So looking forward to the weekend. Um, Episode 907 of the Real Deal Podcast. This is a big episode for our podcast. Just a, just with roughly about two weeks, about two weeks away from our 16th anniversary podcast, uh, season 16, or roughly a week away, a week away. Uh, I will announce that date probably sometime this weekend when we'll do uh, the anniversary of, uh, again, week excuse me, year 16 of the Real Deal podcast. We have a big football show for you. Um, college football is, is back. Last week, I don't even count. Um, I, don't, I could care less about zero, week zero of the college football season. This is the real weekend, first weekend of college football. You have some uh, big games headlined, of course, from Florida State LSU, which we'll talk about. But to me, I wanted to look at some defining storylines and questions about college football. And number one, can Georgia repeat? Uh, the Georgia, this is, we are in the Georgia Bulldog era. Make no mistake about it. You've been back-to-back championships. You are big time. You are historic. Uh, they right now are the are a complete are a well oiled machine. They are a dynasty, and doing it in the SEC makes it that much more impressive. They have a coach that. We'll never hear you will never hear complain about the NIL, about the transfer portal and all that stuff. So Kirby Smart right now is running a just a a tight ship. They have the great players, and the scary part is they have done it without a dominant quarterback. Um, they go into me as a favorite to win it again. Um, we they you're talking about if they are, are the three peat, they want a three peat. No one has repeated going back to the 1930s. Like you're talking Minnesota from 34 to 36. And, you know, who the hell remembers that? So that is the number one story question. Can they repeat? Again, SEC is always tough. You got to win multiple games to the college playoffs. So it is harder to win a championship now than it's ever been before. Now, there is less, there is more room for error. You can lose one game or maybe even two games and get to the playoffs. But to complete the whole championship journey. Like, you know, you can tell about possibly have to go through Alabama, Georgia, excuse me, Alabama, LSU. Uh, it's still in the SEC, but uh, until someone beats them, they are the favorites. They have right now the best coach, and they are absolutely the best program in college football. The number two story to me, Deion um, Sanders. And they are, you know, I've in all of my years of watching college football, I have never seen a coach come in with this much hype um, and with this much just, it, I mean, the amount of energy people are putting towards Deion Sanders, the amount of bravado Deion Sanders has and has always had. And he is, you can say what you want about him, he is absolutely a disruptor. People, you have, when you have other coaches coming at you um, before he, before your team has even took in the field, you are disrupting. You are disrupting. Uh, you are a disruptor without question. And people are pissed at Deion. Deion Sanders has, you know, they have one of the top uh, 
transfer portal in terms of the transfer portal rankings rankings they are up there they are number one as far as the transfer portal rankings that was one and that was one of the coaches uh who criticized Deion Sanders um was criticizing for him for that was one of the reasons why one of the coaches was criticizing Deion Sanders because of his use for the transfer portal and the bottom line is Deion Sanders knows how to market the program he knows how to sell the program and I I just don't I, I can't see a situation where Deion said where this program where Colorado is not contending, uh, is not a eight to nine win team. I can't see Deion Sanders failing. Like I, I don't I'm not saying that Colorado's gonna be up here a national championship contender or even win the Pac twelve. I mean, you got USC, TCU, they start off the see they start off on Saturday against TCU, so that's their first major test. TCU is ranked in the top twenty five. They have a tough schedule. Uh, you know, having to face the likes of USC and Utah and what have you. But I'm not betting against Deion Sanders. I'm just not. He has completely shifted, changed the culture of that program from the, in terms of how many people he's got rid of, bringing in his own, you know, he, if he's going to go down, he's going to go down his own way. And again, I look, it is one, I've never seen this much hype for a coach, <laughs> um, for a coach and, and that, that wasn't coaching at like a, Alabama, Ohio State, or somebody or a program like that. Colorado now again. Colorado has had a history of winning in the past. Bill McCartney won a national championship. Rick Neuheisel did an excellent job during his tenure there. So you can win at Colorado. It's been proven. It's been done before. So it's not like you know they're in the Pac-12. They're a, you know Power Five team. I again, I think Deion Sanders is going to turn that program around, and I think. Like it's going to be like sooner than later because I don't think they'll be a national championship contender right now, but I I don't see Deion Sanders failing to be honest with you, and but again he he gives zero fucks about what you think about him, he's going to do it his way, and he's going to again he's taking advantage of all the necessary like he's he is a part of this new shift of college football that I'm very curious to watch moving forward in terms of the NIL. The NIL, um, you have 17 players this season that will be making that who and whose NIL value will be over a million dollars. And you've already heard coaches Nick Saban, uh, Lane Kiffin. You already heard the coaches uh, in college football complain the NIL is too much. These players is, is bad. The college, uh, the college portal transfer portal is bad for college football. So there's you know there's a shift right now to where. If you want to win at a high level in college football, you're going to have to move forward with what the, with where the game is going, with the NIL and with the transfer portal. If you and be consistent and, and, and be consistent with those two, uh, at using those two resources of college football, they're, they're, those two things are part of college football and they're not going anywhere anytime soon. And I'm, frankly, I'm all for it. I'm all for it. Um, the idea that these guys were never were not getting paid. And it was, I mean, again, we, we've talked about this before on the podcast and, and even general conversations. Uh, college football or college basketball is the biggest hypocrisy. And it's not, you know, sports or was the biggest hypocrisy maybe in society. The idea of these guys not being paid while coaches and universities make millions and millions off of them. Now it's the player's turn. They're getting paid. And let's keep in mind, to get a NIL deal, you have to be exceptional. Average players are not getting NIL deals. You have to be like a, a, a Angel, a Angel Reese. You have to be a Bronny James. Yeah, you have to be exceptional. A high, you know, high school All American, a college football or a pro prospect. 
average like average players are not getting these deals. They're not. Most of the guys that have these deals will be drafted. Period. In both sports, most of the guys that have these deals in college football will absolutely be drafted. So, this is the move. This is what this is where college football is at right now. Um, again, I, it's going to be very interesting to see who who fall, which, which universities fall by the wayside. Because again, there are going to be some coaches that just do it their way. They're going to just be do it their way, and they're not going to be able to adjust to the times. That's just how, like that's just the way it is. I mean, I, like Bobby Knight could do it. Now he had he had already won his championships and had and at the time was the all time leading um all time leading winning his coaching college basketball when he retired. But he could not he could not form into the new, you know, this new age player. Um it just it, it just wasn't it wasn't gonna happen. A lot of some guys can't do it. Like a lot of, a lot of these you know, a lot of the old guard could not do it. Um so but you have got again the Deion Sanders of the world Kareem Smarts, there are guys that are going to, that are going to be out there that are going to have their foot uh, on, on, on top, be on top of all this because you have no choice if you're a college football coach. You have to use the transfer portal. You're going to have players who are going to be, in essence, millionaires on your football team. That's just the way, that's just the way it is right now. And this is not, it's only going to get bigger as these guys come out of high school uh, with more hype and more uh, attention than ever with, you know, with the social media following with these deals. Um, so this isn't going anywhere. And if you're a college football coach and you cannot adjust to it, then you are frankly a dinosaur and your program, your program would not have a sustained, would not have sustained success over a period of time. Speaking of sustained, uh, sustained success, uh, Alabama comes into this year uh, on the cusp of one of his longest uh, championship droughts. Now Alabama has won a championship, a drought in Alabama without winning the championship is like one year. They're coming. They're, they've gone two years without winning this championship, without winning a national championship. Uh, Nick Saban, the longest that Alabama has gone without winning a national championship under in the Nick Saban era has been three years. One was from 2017 to 2020. That's current, and it, one was from 2012 to um, not 20. Excuse me. One was from. Uh, the current one, 2017 to 2020, then he had one from because 2012. They they after they won the championship in 2012. He had one from the 2013 season. He went back to back years, 2013, 2014. They didn't win a championship, and then they won it in that 2015 season. So they've never gone three full seasons without winning a national championship. That's how dominant they've been. Like so, again, I, the, the Alabama Nick Saban's legacy is like it, it's it's. Science sealed and delivered. It's not even a matter of legacy. The question is, can Nick Saban adapt to this new era? Now he's still getting the top recruits, but again, he doesn't like. He's not a fan of NIL, and he's not a he's not a big fan of the transfer portal. And this is the first time in a long time that they don't have a defined quarterback. Um, the last you look at the last five Alabama quarterbacks: Mac Jones, Tua Tagovailoa, Jalen Hurts. Those are guys who are either Heisman Trophy winners or first round draft picks. So they come into this year with some quarterback questions. He hasn't, uh, to my knowledge, has yet to announce a starting quarterback. Uh, doesn't want it to be a distraction, and so on and so on. But norm- I mean, normally Alabama is like, you know, had become like basically quarterback you with with you know first round picks, all Americans, got the best of the best coming out of high school, 
uh, coming out uh, as uh, high school Americans. That's not the case this year. So it'll be very, very interesting to see what they do at quarterback, and extremely interesting to see can Nick Saban, you know, will Nick Saban conform to this new way of 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 doing of, of running a program in college football? So again, it should be a great season. Uh, again, Georgia deserves to be the favorite. They are the favorite, but we know how wild the college football season will be. I don't. I bear, I wouldn't even pay attention to the top five rank to the rankings right now. Preseason rankings to me, absolutely nothing. You'll see so many different changes, surprises, and and what have you over the course of this season. Uh, we're going to talk more about uh, the game of the week in college football in regards to Florida State and LSU. Uh, later on in the program. So the deep dive for the Real Deal podcast, a story that, frankly, if Giannis was American, I think would be the biggest story in sports. Um, Giannis Antetokounmpo basically said, and I'll give you the quote, at the end of the day, I feel like my teammates know and the organization knows that I want to win a championship or another championship. He has one already. He told the Times, as long as we're on the same page with that, and you show me, and we go together to win a championship, I'm all for it. The moment I feel like, oh, yeah, we're trying to rebuild, we're trying to rebuild, uh, there will never be hard feelings with Milwaukee. So Giannis has not signed, has yet to, has not signed, basically saying he's not going to sign an extension or not rush to sign the extension. Now, he's he will be extension eligible uh, September 22nd, he could sign a three-year, $173 million extension. He has two years left on his contract, um, roughly two years left on his contract before he has an ex- before he can exercise a player option in 2025. So the clock is ticking now for Milwaukee to build a team or to add to their team to, to make, to convince Giannis to sign the extension before he becomes an outright free agent, free agent. In 2025, I don't think Giannis is going to sign an extension. I don't see what Milwaukee, frankly, can do. Uh, they have a lot of they have a lot of old players. They don't have really any tradable assets, any serious tradable assets. I mean, Chris Middleton signed. He's not a big time asset at his age and with his injury history of late. They're not going to move Drew Holiday. So they they are in win now. They are the epitome of a win now team, and they this is one of the biggest like this. There's as much pressure on them as a franchise to win uh, than any team in the league right now. And frankly, they could actually win a championship and Giannis still not signed an extension. So Giannis is thinking long-term here. He's a guy who's 28 years old. He's one of the top two players in the league. Um, was looking at some teams that uh, could possibly be in the mix. Now, again, you hear the normal Lakers, Knicks, sure. First of all, 98% of the league would be in the mix for Giannis if he becomes a, if he doesn't sign the extension and becomes a free agent in 2025. Okay, let's let's let, let, forget about just the Lakers and Knicks. They'll be they even and they're not their main teams with cap space, but we know how teams can get front offices front offices can get creative with trading guys and moving guys along to create cap space to get Giannis and what have you. The team that should this the team that should scare the league, okay, and I looked this up, is the San Antonio Spurs. In two years, the San Antonio Spurs are projected to have $59 million of cap space when Giannis, uh, if Giannis uh, becomes a free agent at that time and, and declines the player uh, the player option for that upcoming season, becomes a free agent in 2025. That is a, 
when you talk about perfect situation with Greg Popovich and then Victor Wembyami and some of the young talent that they have, I mean, like that, that is the ideal situation for Giannis to go to, for Giannis to go to. Giannis is not a, Giannis is not about LA, Miami. He's not a big New York City. He's, he doesn't care about that. San Antonio, like Milwaukee, mid-market, um, solid franchises as far as their, their uh, as far as their uh, ownership and, and, and front office, and you know, great fan base, excellent fan base. And San Antonio, we know what San Antonio is as far as their traditional winning. That is the team that, if I'm the rest of the NBA, that would would be would scare the daylights out of me for him going to. And that is a that that is would be a perfect place. I mean, there was no there's no bad place. There are a couple of places that Giannis you can eliminate about. 15 teams that Giannis is not going to go to because they're just horrible franchises. That franchise would be primed and poised to get a Giannis. And like I said, this this story is like, to me, I even Giannis not being an American, this story has like, it should be bigger. Like this, this guy is arguably the best player in the world. Uh, at worst, the second best player behind Jokic. And he is going like, he he's probably not going to sign an extension with a team that he won the championship with, uh, you know, it'll be, you know, three years ago. So this, I mean, this is absolutely for a guy, again, who is in his prime. He's, he is going to be, on you know, his next birthday, he'll be, what, 28 years old. He's still, in a, he is still absolutely in his prime and can absolutely, he absolutely can get better. So right now, if you're a team, I, like, right now you should be getting your stuff ready, your, your ducks in order to try to make a run at Giannis if you're, if you're, if you're a team around the NBA, like right, like now. Teams are, are are trying to go or making moves or thinking that or thinking two years ahead, uh, in order to make a move possibly to uh, to go after him. Like you, if you're not, you're just dumb. So again, and again, I, for, you know, because I would love it as a Laker fan if you know with the Lakers, of course. But I, I just don't see it with the Lakers. I don't see it with the Knicks. I don't. I don't see him. I don't think Giannis goes if he doesn't end up staying with Milwaukee. I don't think Giannis goes to a big major market, um, uh, a big city like that. I, I just don't think he's that type of player like that. I don't think he cares about that. He doesn't care about branding. He doesn't care about social media. I mean, he has a social media page. He's on Twitter. He's on Instagram, but he doesn't care about that stuff. He's just not, that's just not who he is. The guy just flat out wants to win. So it, you know, Milwaukee absolutely is on the clock. Watch out for the San Antonio Spurs. Getting back to some college football, um, the game of the week, without question, Florida State, LSU. These are two, two of the top. You know, Florida LSU is top, is ranked fifth. Florida State comes in at, at eighth. Um, both are coming off excellent years, ten win seasons. They both have Heisman Trophy candidates. Jaden Daniels at the quarterback of LSU. Jordan Travis, quarterback of Florida State. Both programs, of course, you know, with championship pedigree. Um, Florida State hasn't won a championship in a decade. LSU won a championship, of course, with, with uh, Joe Burrow about what four years ago now. So these are programs. This is a this could be a season-defining game for one of these programs. This one, this game could uh, absolutely catapult the winner to uh, a playoff, possibly being in a championship mix. Now, I don't think these teams are at the level. I don't think either one of these teams can win a national championship per se. I don't think they're quite there yet. Uh, I think they could be challenged for the playoffs. Maybe LSU is a little further ahead, a further ahead than Florida State. Maybe 
because their fall off in Florida State a couple of years ago was unwatchable. Like I literally, literally unwatchable for Pat when when once Jimbo Fisher left, they became they just they hit rock bottom. And Mike Novell has done a tremendous job of rebuilding that program back. They're exciting again with the offense. Uh, it's, it's you know he's brought it back to you know not only respectability but he's brought you know they are they have a top ten ranking uh, for the first time in, in these seven six seven years. So they're not quite where LSU is at. LSU last year, of course, won the SEC West, the Alabama, uh, and unfortunately lost their quarterback when they lost lost their quarterback in the SEC championship and ended up getting pummeled 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 by Georgia. Uh, I think fifty to thirty. Uh, that again, I don't think they really beat Georgia with it if their quarterback doesn't get hurt. But it would have been a much more competitive game. So LSU is, I think LSU is a little further ahead. Uh, if you remember last year, these guys, these two teams played a wild game. Uh, that I believe was on Labor Day weekend, if not the week, if not the week after, it was. I think it was Labor Day weekend. Um, wild game where a uh, missed extra point decided the game. It was a blocked extra point that decided the game. And Florida State won, I think, twenty four twenty three. So a little bit some revenge. Uh, you know, LSU seeking revenge heading to this game again. This is clearly the best game of the week. Um, and again, the loser will not be out the championship mix, especially a non-conference game, especially, you know, we're talking first week in September. Loser's not going to be out the mix, but the winner definitely, it, this definitely could uh, catapult the winner uh, to a uh, uh, to a playoff, uh, to a playoff berth in, uh, in the college football playoff. So, great, uh, great game to watch. Um, again, college football this year, there's a lot of stories, there's a lot of things to watch for college football. Um, uh, I forgot to mention the Caleb Williams as a possible number one pick in the NFL draft from USC. Uh, he's going to be somebody to watch as far as, uh, and you're going to see a lot of NFL teams, you're going to see a number of NFL teams tanking for sure to, uh, to try to land his services. Uh, he, he's, you know, the reigning Heisman Trophy winner and will absolutely, unless, you know, injury withstanding, will be the number one uh, player, player pick picked in the uh, 2024 NFL draft. NFL, three questions. We continue three questions uh, on each division. We, we are now shifting to uh, the NFC East. Will there be a repeat champion for the first time in 19 years? Uh, the Philadelphia Eagles were the last repeat champion in this division from 20, from 2001 to 2004. Of course, that was Andy Reid, Donovan McNabb, when they went to the four straight NFC uh, championships uh, going to the Super Bowl in course 2004 and losing to the Patriots. Think about that. So from 2005 on, there has not been a repeat winner in uh, the NFC East. And a lot of that has been due to just pure mediocrity. Uh, the NFC East, for the most part, has been all, just an all god-awful division. Um, now, during that time, Philadelphia did, you know, they had, they've had some Super Bowl winners, Giants twice, uh, 07 and, and 2011. And recently, Philadelphia in 2017, of course, they were, were the Super Bowl runner-up last year, just just barely coming up short against the uh, Kansas City Chiefs. Listen, I I have a hard time seeing anyone be able, be able to do, in this division be able to deal with Philadelphia. They have, um, without question, the best quarterback in the division. They have the best uh, offensive line in the division. They are the best. They are the the most well. They are the most well balanced team in the in the division coming in. They uh, last year had a top ten offense and defense in scoring. They had a top three offense and defense in in yardage, sixteen and four. Now everybody says everything went right 
they didn't have that catastrophic injury. Jalen Hurts, Jalen Hurts, Hurts played like an MVP. Uh, he finished. He finished second behind Patrick Mahomes, and you know they, you know they had a come in there over and under was at eleven and a half, which is of course high, which it should be. Um, yeah, a lot of things went right for Philadelphia, but again, I don't. The division is just not. Is is still not very good. Like I, I like the division is just not like the, that. Division just doesn't scare scare anybody. That division should be. I don't think it will be bad this year. Like I, I can see Washington and the Giants being somewhat improved. Uh, the Cowboys. I just don't know about the Cowboys. The Cowboys are the Cowboys can go. I wouldn't be surprised if the Cowboys were eleven and uh six. I would be surprised if the Cowboys were eight nine. I really don't have it. I don't have a good feel for the Cowboys. I don't. Um, we'll talk about the Cowboys coming with the second question, but this is Philadelphia's division to lose. I I, like, I, I see Philadelphia. You know, they won't be fourteen and three, but you know what, twelve and five, like you know twelve and five, uh, thirteen and four. I mean twelve and five, eleven and six. 12, I think they're a twelve win team. Like I, I think I, I I believe in this Philadelphia team. They again they they built their team. They know they have an identity. They built their team. They run the football. They have again dominant offensive line, dominant defensive line. Uh, again, a plethora of pass rushers. I I don't see Philadelphia falling back to a point to where they have an off year. Um, uh, with the with the kind of roster that they still have, with the kind of talent that they still have. Uh, now again, they still have. Jalen Hurts got the big contract over the summer, but remember. First year that contract doesn't really affect their salary cap. It's next year in terms of that contract where that will start to, you know, they'll have to start to move some people and lose some other some key guys because of how much money they're going they're paying him. Question two, will Dak Prescott finish the season as a Cowboys starting quarterback? And those of you in San Francisco might be laughing at this question, watching what transpired with Trey Lance, barely got on the field um, over the course of his career was probably one of the worst draft busts in recent memory considering what San Francisco had to give up to get him. But the bottom line is this. The clock is ticking on Dak Prescott. Uh, you don't trade for a quarterback and who's going to be your number two quarterback. And it's Jerry Jones. You don't make this type of move and have total confidence in your starting quarterback. You just don't. Now, it's like, now again, this was to me. I looked at this move. I was like, it's, it's, I loved it because I, I loved it because I, I root for the Commanders, and if you're in the NFC East, you should have loved this move because Trey Lance clearly just can't play, and he has to still stay on the field. So I like sure if he if Trey Lance is on the field, great. I'm good if Trey Lance is on the field, and I'm in this and I'm a fan of some of another team in this in this division. I have no faith in Trey Lance whatsoever. This is a classic. Jerry Jones move, giving up a fourth round pick, which you can like you can get some quality depth at another position for a fourth round pick. But if you think that Trey Lance is your guy, if let's say Dak gets hurt, like I'm sorry, Trey's not the guy. <laughs> I'm just not. And I, I think in the back of Jerry Jones's mind that he really believes that Trey Lance can compete with Dak Prescott eventually to be that starting quarterback. Like I could see a scenario. Where Dak struggles and Trey Lance all of a sudden week four, week five is your is the Dallas Cowboys starting quarterback. I I I I can see it. 
I can see Jerry. Like Jerry's not getting any younger. Like Jerry wants to win a Super Bowl. Especially, he's never going to win another Super Bowl because as long as he has that the type of control that he has over the team as a general, not only the owner, but as a general manager and president, what have you, we know that. You know, they have a lot of talent, especially on defense. Uh, the offensive line is not what it once was. The running game is okay. Uh, the weapon, they don't have a lot of, they don't have a ton of weapons on offense. And Dak Prescott is just in the class of, you know, very good. Not great, very good. He's not Dak Prescott is not going to elevate uh, your football team. So I, this move was to me it, it was a just if you're if I were a Cowboy fan, Cowboy fan, I would be really uh, nervous. This move would make me nervous about the, about my quarterback's confidence and about the play. I mean, he's already again. He already has the interception bug in his head. Like he came out and said. What did he say? I won't throw 10 interceptions this year. He, came, he already in the preseason. I lost track. He already had three in the preseason. Maybe he hasn't thrown anything any since, but he, he you know, he was throwing interceptions left and right in training camp or in, in mini camps. He like so that was already in his head. And Simon has got signed Trey Lance. I can't think, I can't help but to think that. That, that that's not going to have an effect, uh, an effect on Dak Prescott. He is a human being after that, after all. He's human. Now, he's overcome a lot. Again, he was not a Ballyhoo quarterback coming out of college. You know, took advantage of Tony Romo getting hurt, became a starting quarterback, had some good years, overcame a major uh, uh, injury. Well, it was, I think it was a, what, a broken ankle leg a couple years back, came back. Um, so, he, you know, he's we've seen him manage adversity uh, over the course of his career, going back to college, but this is kind of like some psychological adversity. This is a different type of adversity when your owner doesn't, your owner doesn't believe in you. That's in, in essence, Jerry Jones does not believe in Dak Prescott. Let's let's just keep it a buck. Um, so I'm looking forward to it. The Cowboys are always entertaining because their their fan base. They always, you know, the high hopes, and then you get their heartbroken, heart their heartbroken year after year. They'll get off to a quick start and then, you know, fade away in November and December and then, you know, be talking about 2024. But I I would not be surprised if Dak Prescott does not finish the quarter, the season as a starting quarterback. The Eric Bianami impact on the commanders, this is a big year for Eric Bianami. Um, This franchise is in transition. They have new ownership. They're trying to change the, to try and change the culture and get the, you know, the distinct of the Daniel Snyder era off. They're, you know, they're trying to get it, you know, with a new stadium. They don't have a new stadium, but they a lot of moving pieces with this franchise. Eric Bambi will have, for the most part, basically control of his offense. He was not, he he was never going to be, he was never going to call plays in Kansas City, and he never was going to get his just credit uh, as long as Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes were on, are on that team or with that franchise. It's just that simple. People the two reasons why people think Kansas City won, 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 wins are winning are Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid. And I don't care how many nice things Andy Reid said about Eric Bieniemy, he just was he had to this he had to make a move like this in order to have any chance of becoming a head coach in this league. If he is able to turn around this offense with Sam Howell at, at quarterback, now again they have some weapons on offense. The offensive line, I still have question marks about the offensive line, but they have weapons on the offense with the receivers and at the running and at the skill positions. Um, 
I like the attitude of Airbnb. I like to, the, I like to take no shit, no nonsense. This this team, this franchise needs a kick in the ass. They don't need a pat on the back. Period. So this is a big year for Airbnb if he wants to be a head coach in the NFL. If he has any chance of being a head coach in the NFL, the commanders will have to be in the playoff hunt, and this offense will have to show significant improvement over the course of this of this twenty twenty three of the of the twenty three season. That's all there is to it. Again, he has enough. They have weapons. Uh, Ron Bear, I think, will somewhat give him the keys to the car. Uh, I don't I, from that standpoint. I, so he has a lot. So I, I, I think he will have an opportunity to prove himself uh, as a excellent offensive mind and not just a guy who you know yells at running backs. Which, by the way, I don't mind. I'm not knocking for that. But that, I mean, that's kind of the reputation that he has in the league. Unfortunately, by some. Uh, as this uh, this overly aggressive, intense, intense coach, who was only successful because he had Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes. So, those are your three questions in the AFC East. I, again, I think that the Philadelphia Eagles will win this division uh, relatively. I think easily. I really don't have uh, extreme confidence or faith in any of these other any of these other teams. Again, all these teams are so. You know the thing that separates Philadelphia, they have they, they have a legit franchise quarterback. These rest of these teams don't. I think Daniel Jones, uh, Sam Howell, and Dak Prescott are are a couple of notches below then uh, a couple of notches below uh, Jalen Hurts. So that is to me the ultimate separator when I start looking at team a team that can win a division, a team that could possibly get challenged uh, for a Super Bowl championship. Some real thoughts before I let you go. So the term world champion has, you know, has been in the uh, sporting news over the past uh, week or so. Um, so I don't knock uh, the sprinter, Noah Lyles, for putting aside. So what Noah Lyles basically said, who's who a world champion sprinter, Said, you know, said, made this quote, you know, what hurts me the most is that I have to watch the NBA finals and they have world champion on their head. World champion of what? The United States. So he took a lot, took a lot of flag, um, so on and so on. I don't, I didn't even, that, that was like, ah, we know, you know, we know that's some bullshit, whatever. Like he, he's young, he's feeling himself, he just had the most significant moment of his athletic career. He could be, He's a world-class sprinter. He's a world champion. Um, you know, guys from various sports always put their sport, individual team sport, on a pedestal versus in, in comparisons to other uh, player athlete sports. It has been happening since the beginning of time. I I frankly didn't. I was like, ah, okay. He's defending his sport. The quote that bothered me about that bothered me about the world champion phrase term was from Greg Popovich. And here's the Greg Popovich quote. It doesn't make sense for an NBA team to call themselves world champions. I don't remember anybody playing anybody outside our borders to get that tag. Isn't that true? I keep wait, wait, waiting for somebody to tell me I've missed something. Greg, you missed a lot of things. Um, first of all, this is a guy... I love Greg Popovich as a coach. He's one, I think, Calvin Pound, the greatest coach in NBA history, one of the greatest coaches in the history of sports. He's that great as a coach and has been great for a, a, a substantial of 
for a long time, like 25 years now. You won, you won championships, world championships on the backs of European players. Tony Parker, Manu Ginobili, like no one in the NBA has used uh, European players as far as roster building and construction as well as the San Antonio Spurs. Um, basketball, the NBA is an international, is a global sport. It became that during the 92 Olympics with the Dream Team. The best players in the NBA are all right now top five players. Four of the top five players are are all European. Yeah, hey, yeah, Giannis, Jokic, Embiid, uh, Luca. Like the best, literally the best outside of Steph Curry, the four of the five top best players, best players in the league are from Europe, are non-Americans. It is a world sport. The best team that wins the NBA championship is the best team in the world. What am I missing? This is when you know it's time for football to start. When these conversations are happening in the summertime, you know it happens in like July when it's like a dead period in sports, when, when there's nothing to talk about or nothing going on unless somebody goes out there and does something stupid with a DUI or, God forbid, domestic violence. There's something, just, something just, just catastrophically just stupid and crazy. But... I, I would not expect a Greg Popovich to knock his, in essence, knock his own sport and knock, in essence, knock himself and his own organization. Like, it was, that, that shit was wild to me hearing that. Like, I didn't, the sprinter, okay, he's pumping his own sport and he, you know, is getting, is getting him more likes and, and followers on, 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 on the, uh, in the social media atmosphere. But I was, I really was surprised by Greg Popovich. I was. Um, Ben Simmons comes out earlier this week uh, with a tweet. Uh, and here's a tweet. Uh, I don't intend to come back the same player I, I was last season because that's not even close to where I am. I get excited because I'm like, damn, I would shit on that player I was last year. <laughs> Boy, oh, Ben, 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 Ben. Listen, I'm all for the power of belief in oneself, the power of positive thinking, power in yes i can the power in i am somebody i can do i like i'm all for believing i'm all for just self-empowerment and positive thinking really i it's really at this stage of my life i'm, I'm, I'm all in on positive on, on words matter and thoughts matter and you got to manifest success I'm, trust me I'm, I'm i'm 10 toes down from that standpoint if you have ben simmons right You've only played in 100 of your last 246 games possible, right? You missed the entire 21-22 season. No one, at this point, it's 2023, no one wants to hear what you're going to do. No one, like, no one's going, no one wants to hear any predictions. Like, this is when you need, this This is when you need, We, we clearly, he clearly lacks self-awareness, but you need great people and true real friends around you. Like someone should have told Ben, like, Ben, like, yo, just just do the work. Just look, you don't have to say nothing to nobody. You don't have to make no predictions. We see you in the gym. We see your hard work. They'll see you. They'll see you in October, November, and leave it at that. Like you need those type of people in your life to say this is a bad idea. Like why? Instead, you know, Ben Simmons has got the type of people who probably were saying, like, yeah, Ben, yeah, you're gonna tell me you're gonna win MVP, Ben. 
What about defensive player of the year? Oh, that's right. You already should have won three or four of those. Forget about that. Those are the type, those are the type of dudes he has in his life, or the type of people he has in his life. He has a bunch of yes people who fill his head, fill his head with this bullshit, and it 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 clouds it, it it removes any sense of like accountability or self awareness. He has zero in those two categories. Zero. You know, here's the three step process for Ben Simmons. Step one, step one, stay on the court. Step two, take shots outside the paint. Step three, I said get to the free throw, free throw line. But you know what? Step three is just stay off, stay, stay off social media. That should be step three. That should be step three. No one at this point is taking Ben, ben Simmons seriously. Anything Ben Simmons says seriously. Like no one. Ben Simmons right now has gone from a all-NBA caliber player, defensive player of a year caliber player, to one of the worst contracts literally in the NBA. That contract is literally one of the worst contracts in the league right now. Period. There's no even discussion. It, it is. So, I, again, this is why you, do, you, get, you need quality people in your life. I don't care how talented you are, okay, how smart you are. You need great people around you to to balance you to keep you to keep your to keep your head on straight like you, you just need those people and when you don't have them you have the situations and uh, situations like a Ben Simmons like I could think of countless other situations with athletes or entertainers or what have you you know so you know, we'll see what happens with Ben Simmons. I it's hard to root for Ben Simmons, but with again with the lack of accountability, his attitude is it's impossible to root for. He's not he's, he's very hard to root for. Almost borderline and being impossible to root for. That's gonna wrap it up for this latest edition of the Real Deal Podcast. Again, we this is a big weekend for our podcast because we have we'll have of course the snowfall, the uh season two, episode two of Snowfall. We'll we'll put that out and we will have a special Back to school podcast uh, from one of the best episodes of television in history, from the greatest show in the history of television. So if you, if you, you know, I'll just give you a couple of hints. You don't know what it is, then you know you just have to. We'll have to just stay tuned. So those two podcasts will be coming this weekend. Have a great Labor Day weekend. Enjoy your summer. Hit the beach. I'm out.